I read a book recently called The Art of Neighboring, and the authors issued a challenge, suggested using that grid, try to picture your neighborhood, and I know not all the streets go straight, so that's not easy to figure out, but if said if you kind of produced a grid and the people right next to you on each side and then across the street, what would be the three houses across the street and then your backyards, and it asked the question, how many of us know the names of all those people? And if you're like me, the answer would be uh, not very many. I talk to the people on each side of me a little bit, house right across, and that is just about it. And that's not to say that who Jesus is calling us to be neighbors to has to be geographically oriented. But they ask the question, what if we were just better neighbors to one another? How much different might our communities be if you at least know their names? And if you know their names, then you perhaps go to the next step, you know a little bit about what's going on in their life. And then every once in a while, you just might be able to be there for one another. But because so often we're strangers, we do not. Now, that doesn't say that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. But certainly it reminds us that when you had a really good neighbor, you know a little bit what Jesus might be talking about. I, I can remember some really good neighbors we had when I was in seminary. We had a, an apartment that was in married student housing on campus. And so the apartment next to us, we shared a laundry room together, which created a very natural circumstances for you to touch base and get to know each other. And it so happened that the couple next to us was a great couple. They were a clergy couple, and they happened to have a young baby. So we got to know them very well, and to the point that often we'd be called upon to babysit that baby. And boy, we didn't worry about that. We, we loved that. But I remember coming home from classes one time, and I saw the kitchen light go on in our kitchen. And it just happened to be our neighbors that came over to borrow an egg or a recipe that they had. Now, that's neighbors. You know, that's, that's what we seem to miss out on so much, is that kind of closeness uh, to be there for one another. Now, when I look at this exchange that we just read in the scriptures, I find it very inter interesting. Debbie Thomas has kind of painted that out well for us. And she says that, that this legal expert seems to be an intellectual. And he comes to Jesus and he asks this question, and he's truly seeking. And he asks a deep question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, as he often does, he asks another question. Well, what does the law say? What is written in the law? And he responds with an A-plus answer. You're the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus congratulates him. And then he says, now go and do likewise. Questions in the doing. And if you notice that legal expert isn't quite comfortable with this. He, he, Jesus kind of painted a broad stroke. That could be anybody. And gosh, certainly there's got to be some boundaries or there's got to be some lines there's not some lines. How would I know that I've accomplished it? How would I know that I have eternal life? And so Jesus tells a parable in response. And anybody in Jesus' day should have known they're in trouble when Jesus tells a parable. Because there's always a shock to them. There's always a surprise. Because Jesus tries to wake them up and see, 
a reality within the kingdom of God that they don't see otherwise. You can't reduce Jesus and his teachings down to just a, a definition or a moral. There's so much more than that. So he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in that parable, he challenges this, this man to see that you can't just reduce down who your neighbor is. That your neighbor might be somebody that you're surprised. Now, now take a note. In verse 29, there's this scripture. And he says this. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Other versions say he wanted to justify himself. And I want you to notice the tendency of this legal expert to try to reduce down who the neighbor is. And then Jesus tells the parable, it expands it. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I know that I'm kind of like that legal expert sometimes. I like to uh, be neighborly when it's convenient with my schedule. I like to be neighborly when I can choose who I get to be neighbors with. I can be very neighborly when I can choose that it's somebody a little bit like me, the same skin color or the same values, the same belief system. It's so much easier. And sometimes I like to define it geographically. You know, I don't like to have to worry about the whole world. Just stick to our county here. But then at the same time, I notice, now I don't want it to be too close. You know, especially if it's somebody that needs something. I want it to be something I can drive to and turn around and leave it when I want, right? Now, are any of you identifying with this? Jesus kind of blows that out of the water and tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And you notice the scripture didn't call the Samaritan good. That's our story for it. That's our term for it. And he's good in so many ways. He was good when he chose to walk by the man who was laying by the side of the road. He was good when he stopped and he tended to his wounds. He was good when he put oil and wine on those wounds. He was good when he put that man on his animal and took him to the innkeeper. He was good when he gave the innkeeper two denarii, two full days of wages for the average person. And he was good when he said, whatever it costs to take care of this man, I will come back and repay you. He was good in all those ways, but for today, I'd just like us to focus on taking that first step and asking ourselves, what are we doing in regards to our neighbor? And the fact, do we walk on the other side? Or do we alter our paths and walk by that person who might be in need? If we do that, we're getting somewhere. And God can do something with us. God can make something happen. And I've noticed that in my life that I am blessed the most when God gets me out of my box when God calls me out of my comfort zone. The times I've been blessed the most is when I've ministered with someone who is different from me. And when I let go of my need to be the superior and always working for someone, but sometimes just to walk with someone and see them as just an equal person like me is when I am blessed the most. Matter of fact, I had that experience this past week in Guatemala. We... Uh, Went down there, and we have a mission project, as most work teams do. Our mission project was to work on Casa Tatloy, a drug and alcohol rehab center 
in San Lucas. And, you know, if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know that you like to have that experience of starting with a project and seeing where it is, and at the end of the week, seeing the difference that you've made. It's such a great feeling of satisfaction. So we had the job of preparing this two-level renovation in addition because Casa Tatloy's got 60 men that are in rehab there. They're living in two small rooms with bunks three tiers high. They're packed to the gills, so they need more space. But we had the job of cleaning up and trimming the walls to get them ready to stucco. Not exactly one of those where you see a major difference kind of thing. And things are progressing. We feel like we're making some progress. We're hoping that by the end of the week we get to do some actual stucco. And then on Wednesday evening, we're told that instead of going to the work site on Thursday, that Mission Guatemala has decided we ought to go to a school for their graduation. Well, I wasn't real happy about that. I even went to Gene Morris and said, you know, is there any way we could have maybe half the group, have 10 of us go to the school to experience that, and half of us go to the work site just so we can keep work going? And so she checked on it, and the answer was no, because they'd already planned a lunch for us, and that would be rude. So as I was told many times that week, be flexible. And so I was flexible. And it turned out to be the right decision. Because not only were those kids honored, that some special guests from North America show up to help make their graduation a special event. But we are blessed in so many ways. The graduation was a time they shared a little bit of their culture, and then they had basically what I've seen as a field day, and they invited us to join in their crazy relay teams, and we got to do a lot of crazy stuff. We got a, got a few pictures to throw up about that. So we're putting water in a Coke bottle by passing it in a wet rag over each other's heads. Try to make sure we don't get the water in our mouths, by the way. <laughs> and putting hoops over our heads. And they even had a celebration cake that, oh, there's a great picture. That, that really kind of epitomized what that day was like. And then they had a celebration cake. And whether it's a birthday or not, they sing happy birthday, and someone gets chosen to represent the honored guest to take the first bite out of the cake without using any utensils. <laughs> Pastor Aaron did not warn me about that. <laughs> and I also discovered part of that tradition is they, they put a little push on you as you put your face down to eat it. But you know, it was a great day. And... I'm not sure about the rest of the team, but I came away with great hope from that day to see the energy these kids had, to know that nutrition program that Mission Guatemala makes happen and we help make happen helps make sure they got the energy so they can learn. And I had such great sense of hope that these children are going to grow up someday and some of them are going to make a difference in this country and make it a better place. And I would never have experienced all that if I had so much had to go work on that site when the bottom line is they don't really need my labor. It's not, the only thing I was good for is hammering that week anyway. So, whatever God calls you to do in being a neighbor, and let, let me close with this point. Dave Runyon and Jay Playtech in that book, The Art of Neighboring, make this point. They said, you know, you got to be careful, because most people interpret the 
Good Samaritan story as saying that everybody is our neighbor. But they say when you aim for everybody, you end up helping nobody. When you think loving your neighbor means loving everybody, then you end up loving nobody. So I think the message we need to hear is that we're called to love anybody, but make sure you love somebody. And then we might understand what Jesus is trying to get across in the story of the Good Samaritan. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, as we look around and the neighbors around us, whether it's geographically in our physical neighborhood or some other connection or relationships we happen through our kids or through the places that we work, may we be looking for where you're calling us to be a neighbor. May we love them as you have loved us. May we accept them unconditionally as you accept us unconditionally. May we walk beside them and not for them. This is our prayer in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. couple things before we go. Be sure to get your picture taken if you have not yet. Also, for the gospel saying, have some help turning the room around, getting tables set up and chairs put away. We appreciate that as well. Go forth in peace, knowing that God calls us to be that neighbor. May we love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen.